Disturbing Interest is a Horrible Histories, Terrible Mysteries podcast. The past, and sometimes the present, are often a bleak place. Listener discretion is advised. If you're a fan of Disturbing Interests, please like and subscribe. And for the love of God, tell a friend about us. Pretend you're a Mormon. Go door to door with the good news of Disturbing Interests. Preach our gospel, brothers and sisters, and non-gender binary siblings, to the world at large. Because remember, with us, you might be disturbed, but you're not alone. Welcome back to Disturbing Interest, everyone. I am Regina King, your evil queen, and sitting in her own damn house is my ever-beautiful partner. Hello, I am Lynn, your docent of distancing. Heck yeah. We are still social distancing, ladies and gentlemen, disturbed out there all. And you should be too. And yes, you should be. Please do the responsible thing. Keep distancing. Let's cut out the cove. Stay home. Stay safe. Stay off a goddamn respirator. And you know what? Stay out of my goddamn way without your mask on, people. Seriously. If you are up in my face without a mask on, expect my hand to come towards it. Just like, wah. I mean, I'm thinking about just arming myself with a super soaker full of cat pee. (laughs) Oh my God. It would work. It would work. (laughs) You want to hear about something really fucked up? Speaking of super soakers, cats, and just alarming moments. I mean, this is this is going to be a whole episode that involves latrines, pee, bathrooms, etc. So I'm I'm here for it. So the other day, Neko got up on the kitchen counter. Now Neko is not allowed on the kitchen counter, but lately she's been doing it when we are not in the kitchen. And I heard it, and I was like, "That sounds like a cat on the counter." So Mr. Mao jumps up with the super soaker, which we have to make sure the cat does not get on the counter. And he walks in there, sprays the cat. Well, he's never had to spray her before. So he didn't realize that the super soaker that I have is like super turbo soaker. Because oh, oh, no. when I got it, I was thinking, oh, well, this will be fun to take like camping and spray each other out on, on the beach or something. It'll, we'll have good times with it. Sure. Right? No. That stream hit the cat so hard in just like this river of gush and it ricocheted off of Neko straight onto my lantern's painting that I have been working on for like a year and a half. Oh, it's a weapon of war now. Oh, no. (laughs) I was just like, I saw it happen. And I hear Mr. Mao go, oh, shit. Oops. (laughs) And the cat yells and runs and (laughs) he runs over and he's like, I'm so sorry. It was an accident. I don't know what happened. It just ricocheted. And I was like, accidents happen. Let's see if it did any real damage. And uh, no, it did not. Fortunately, we're good. It was just a moment of pure fear for both the cat and Mr. Mao. While I was just like, If this has happened to that painting, I'm going to be very disappointed after this long of working on it. Very slowly, people. Very slowly. Yeah, so that was that was the events of my house the other night. Well, we're just still in the throes of remodeling, but we're mostly done. Yeah, you are. Just the bathroom. It's almost, that's the only one that still has some stuff going on. Have you painted the embarrassed pufferfish yet? Oh, I have not painted the embarrassed pufferfish over the toilet, but let me tell you about the toilet. 
we now have a fully operational toilet bidet portal to another dimension. I'm so excited by this. So, you know, we were like, okay, we're going to upgrade because we had had one of those cheapy bidet seats that you can just buy, you know, online for like 75 bucks where it just, it replaces your regular toilet seat and it just has a line that sucks water out of the tank and then you get a little cold, hello, woo, when you hit the switch on the side, (laughs) which is just a toggle, like nothing fancy, no heat, no nothing. Just kind of a little mechanical spritzer of bum washery, if you will. A bum washer wake you up kind of moment. I believe the term bracing is what I would <laughs> use to describe that. You are fresh. Um, but we were like, okay, since we're doing this big remodel, let's invest in one that actually like plugs into the wall so there can be some heat. Holy shit. This thing has a remote control to deal with all of its functions. I think it does taxes. I hope it does taxes. Nice. I'm counting on that. Nice. It also has a nightlight function where, you know, you can press a button on the back of it. And so at night, if you have to get up and pee in the middle of the night, there's a, a beacon. But what it looks like, it's it's blue. It glows blue. And it makes it look like, like toilet kaiju are going to kind of come out of the <laughs> breach. And I'm going to have to make myself some kind of like a, like a Jaeger suit, like a Gundam out of plumbing parts <laughs> to fight this thing. Because it seriously looks like an interdimensional portal to another plane of existence and i'm kind of halfway tempted to just jump in there in case it takes me somewhere better because <laughs> this timeline is the fuckiest you know what jumping in a toilet to get someplace better right now that that track that's 2020 that is peak 2020 imagery right there that's right i will put that image up on social media so that you too can enjoy uh, a view into the nether regions that i believe i have summoned up with my new toilet it also has a fan, which is like, ah, it's a little, you got to get used to that. So yeah, it's very exciting, but it works. It actually works. We have electricity in our bathroom, which is very exciting. Uh, you don't have to pee by candlelight. It's very nice. And we're getting there slowly. You know, it's, it's nice. We have a grab bar now in our newly tiled shower, which makes me feel incredibly old. I need the grab bar, but uh, it's a very tall tub and I am a very short human. So that grab bar is probably going to save me from at least a concussion. Nice. So, you know, I got that. But yeah, it's it's coming along. It's 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 a uh, it's a thing. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. What I think is hilarious about your portal toilet is the day you posted the picture that I saw of it was the day I was seriously considering buying one myself. I was looking at it going, well, that's really cool. It has a bunch of functions. But for me, I'm holding out. I am holding out for the grand bidet, fancy toilet seats of all toilet seats that comes from Japan. Oh, toilet I'm telling you, guys, if you have not looked into the toilet seats of Japan, they have taken the bidet and bathroom accessory to a whole new level you need to check this shit out they like singing to you they got theme music it's nuts yeah it's wild so i'm all about getting me one of those and that's gonna be my big like souvenir for myself from japan which i think is hilarious that i my big souvenir from another country is going to be what i plant my ass on every morning Hey, I mean, when you think about it, you spend, not just you, but like you, the the global you, we all as a species spend an inordinate
certain amount of time on the john, really, and a, probably a depressing amount of time. If you are, are targeting that specifically at me, I want to know why you are monitoring my bathroom habits. They're, they're going <laughs> to foreshadow. There is some toilet monitoring that comes up in, in this episode that we're doing. Oh, joy. It's not all toilet all the time, but there's a there's a, a river runs through it, let us just say. <laughs> In today's episode, I'm very excited about that. All toilets, all the time. That sounds yeah. like the worst porn channel ever. It. This is the potty mouth episode. <laughs> we can call it the golden shower. There's a theme of toilets that just seems to flow, if you will. All right. Well, what are we hearing about today? Because you took the heavy lifting on this episode while I am doing next episode. Well, again, I've had house renovation on the brain. I decided to tackle... One of the most famously disturbing building projects of all time on this episode. And no, do not worry. This is not your beloved H.H. Holmes, Reg. I would not steal your murderous (laughs) architect thunder like that. But I also have another picture that I will post on our social media that gives us a a teaser of what we might be talking about. And it's the beverage that I've chosen. So today, I am not drinking canned wine. I'm going for the hard stuff. Let me see if I can. This is going to make a noise. Ooh. It's a cork Carolina whiskey. Winchester Kentucky Rye Whiskey. I bought this, go drizzly, just for this occasion. And I have myself a little, it's it's a mixed marriage. I have a Maker's Mark cup that we got as part of a set because I, I drink brown liquor a lot in this house. And I got one of those big fancy mega ice cube tray molds, like the silicon molds that make like a like a Rubik's Cube size motherfucking chunk of ice, like an iceberg, nice. like Titanic size in here. Yes. Because I don't know, it's fancy. So I'm going to pour a little of this out. Ooh. I Hopefully you caught that. It was a nice noise. Okay, I'm going to try. I, I did. I did. I've never tried this before. It smells good. It smells like it smells like I imagine Dean Winchester smells like. Ooh. And I, I do spend some time thinking about that. So do I. It's not so much I want to do Dean as that I want to be Dean, I think. Is that weird that like all my heroes are like Cliff Steele, Man of Steel, Dean Winchester, Hellboy, you know, kind of like. Nope. This kind of tracks. Yeah. Weird. Anyway, so it's it's a lovely amber color. The smells not bad. It smells nice. All right. It, it was not cheap either. This wasn't expensive because I'm not that kind of a classy drinker, but it wasn't like the rot gut bottom shelf. That is not true. I have seen you spend a decent amount for a good glass of... Every so often I do. Yes. So, all right. I'm going to give this a try. It smells good. It smells good. It smells looks brown. Ooh. Well, that's nice. Yeah. And it's the rye, so it's got the, it's a very, I got the classic rye thing going on there. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I might be like, you don't know me by the end of this episode. We'll see. <laughs> I think this would also be good in like even a Manhattan. Yeah, this would All be a good right. mixer. Oh my God. Now I want a whiskey sour. That's going to be my treat tomorrow is a whiskey sour. I, oh, quite mwah. frankly, uh, Mr. Mao and I were talking about this. We just want to drink. We are at that point <laughs> in the quarantine that just the other drink. night he was like, I just, I just want to drink. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I feel yeah. that. And then he yeah. goes, or just go to a bar and be around people oh and not drink. Fucking God, yes. <laughs> I miss bars. And I swear to God, guys, despite my whole canned wine shtick, I'm not a, a raging alcoholic. I'm a genteel, <laughs> discreet alcoholic. But I miss the social aspect 
I miss Mr. Darcy's. Oh, that place is great. I miss what we call the Winchester, which is you know taken from uh, Shaun of the Dead, which is the Roy Street pub in Lower Queen Anne. Or yeah, yeah. I just miss, I miss people. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird. And I don't like people, but I miss people. It's, it's very strange. Yeah, no, I feel that too. I don't drink. You know I don't drink. I know. And I'm sitting over here like, I... I would like to go to a bar. I would love to go to Mr. Darcy's again. That place was great. I love that place. Yeah, that was great. You know, the rendezvous. I want to go somewhere dark and, well, not smoky because that's gross. And plus, you can't smoke indoors. But like somewhere just kind of dimly lit and full of bonhomie. And we don't, we can't do that. I would just like going to the Fred Meyer to not be fraught with peril, you know? That has never been a thing. It's always been fraught with peril. <laughs> That's true. Our, our friend Meyer is a little sketch, I'm not going to lie. But I, yeah, I would just like, I would like shopping to just be annoying and not anxiety provoking, you know? I hate shopping. I, well, I mean, okay, wait, everyone out there who knows me quit laughing. You like internet shopping for weird shit. Or going clothing shopping for weird shit. Or... Uh, shopping for crafts, like in person. Oh, I miss Michael's. I know, right? Right. I hate grocery shopping. Like when I go to hell, that will be my punishment. Is eternal Walmart? Oh God, no. That'll be my hell. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've yeah. been going to the fancy store because there seems to be fewer people because it's more expensive, and we've been paying that tax. But like, I'll tell you what, the fancy store. It's a little, it's nicer. It's a little nicer because it is nicer. Yeah, it's... um. We don't even do that, man. We do Instacart. I have been doing Instacart for years now because you know what? Fuck grocery shopping. I just, yeah, I just want to be able to go and be like, carrots, sure. I would just like normal things to be, well, boring and normal, but right. they, they aren't. They are no, not. They are not. And you know what, good people? You are not alone. We are not alone. This is a... A national crisis going on right it now. It is an international crisis worldwide. Yeah. yeah. Let me get back on track here now that I've had my delicious Winchester sipping whiskey. Which uh, again, this could get this episode could get weird if I keep trying it. And that you'll hear the little you hear the little ice kind of yeah. rattle. That's kind of a fun sound. It is a good sound. I like that sound. And it allows you, the reader at home, to monitor how much I'm drinking. So that's exciting. I love how you guys are, are you never listeners, you're readers, you're readers, you're (laughs) anything but a listener. You're our family now. Interpreters of strange modern art. Yes. Hostages. Hostages. You're disturbed. (laughs) Yes. So because I have house renovation on the brain, I decided to tackle, dun, 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 the absolutely bizarre and possibly haunted, if not by actual ghosts, by a sad woman's own inner demons, the Winchester Mystery House. And later, if you're all very good, or very bad, and you promise to eat all your fiber, I will tell you guys a quick little story about one of the deadliest toilet disasters of all time. And it doesn't even involve Taco Bell. Yeah, this thing is amazing, and genuinely horrible and disturbing. The Winchester Mystery House, it's just kind of interesting. So, let's go on our magical virtual road trip to the Winchester Mystery House. Because, if you're smart, you're not going fuck all anywhere in person for a long damn time. 
So our spooktacular mansion, which is said to have potentially inspired the Haunted Mansion ride at Disneyland, is located in sunny San Jose, California. I love that ride. Like, oh, I miss Disneyland or Disney World. All the Disneys. All the Disneys. I miss being able to just go to the Winchester Mystery House because it's rad. True. But, yeah, but it will reopen. It will, they will rebuild. Well, Disney has reopened. <laughs> oh, I know. Christ, oh God. Yeah. I, oh boy. Anyway. Yeah. No, just no. Please continue. Okay. So construction on the Winchester Mystery House began in or around about 1885-86. And this house started out life as an unfinished farmhouse in the Santa Clara Valley. But once Sarah Winchester bought it in 1885, she went absolutely buck wild for building and turned this modest abode into a seven-story mansion with crews working almost nonstop for decades, building without any sort of a professionally drafted architectural master plan so that there are like staircases to nowhere, doors that open onto nothing, windows that just look into other rooms. Well, hello there. And stairs with these crazy haphazard risers that make you feel like you're going to totally trip fall and go into another dimension. I mean, this place is definitely one of the reasons that things like building codes are, you know, a thing. It's also reputed to be one of the spookiest and most ghost-infested buildings in these here United States, built by a woman haunted by tragic losses in her personal past and by the source of her income, quite literally. Well, or at least that is what the stories that have attracted all those tourist dollars say since the place went on display to the public in the 1920s, scant months after its builder shuffled off her own mortal coil. So, are all these spooky legends true? Well, first, let's meet this legendary Mansa's creator and see if we can't get to the bottom of this reputedly haunted house's true story. I have a question, and I may be jumping the gun here like I usually do, but is it up to code? Like, is this place dangerous architecturally? Not currently. Um, it, okay. it definitely underwent some real structural oopsies, thanks to a number of earthquakes that have happened since it was built. But at this point in its existence, it is open for tours. Well, it, it's currently not open for tours because of the pandemic. But that aside, it has been retrofitted to a degree that, yes, you can go through it, you can walk through it, you're perfectly safe if you want to tour it. It's not going to suddenly fall apart just because you, you know, you walked on it. Well, I knew that there were areas open for tour. I just didn't know if the entire thing was structurally sound and you could walk through safe. Well, it's structurally sound in the sense of like, it's not going to suddenly like shear off, but there are definitely parts of the house that they just don't travel people through because they're unfinished. But it is it is up to as much code as you can bring a structure from that time to code. Cool. Sort of like, you know, my house, uh, which was <laughs> 1920s. So, yes. So, this mansion's mama was born Sarah Lockwood Pardee in 1829 in the town of New Haven, Connecticut, clear on the other side of the continent to where she'd become infamous for her building mania. The daughter of a successful carriage manufacturer, Leonard Party, she and her six siblings had a high society upbringing. Sarah learned four languages as a girl and attended the Young Ladies Collegiate Institute at Yale College. She was also known as the Belle of New Haven. 
So she's a real bright penny and a real lovely girl, in addition to being to the manor born with all these advantages. She married the exceedingly wealthy William Wirt Winchester, whose last name might be a tip-off to how his family came to be so handsomely provided for. Clearly whiskey. Whiskey is whiskey or hunting ghosts and ganking demons on the WB. That's right. Uh, No, uh, he in fact was the heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, which was founded in part by his father, Oliver Winchester. And the Winchester repeating rifle was no mere musket. It was a total game changer of a firearm, technically speaking. Prior to this innovation, a shooter would fire their weapon and then have to stand up out of their crouch behind cover, reload, and that was a process that, for quite a few precious seconds, left them much more vulnerable to themselves being shot by their enemy. And a really skillful... Um, shooter and reloader could probably get about two shots off every minute. So again, this was a game changer. And the Winchester Model 66 became enormously popular, especially out in the Western territories of the United States, earning the nickname of the gun that won the West. And it was used not only by the white folks to take the lands and lives of the natives who already had historic claim to this area, but it was also used by the natives themselves to shoot back at the damn pale faces, giving as good as they got. In fact, the Blackfeet called it the spirit gun because it had an almost supernatural speed and quickness at firing bullets. And they, in fact, used this weapon to defeat General Custer at the Battle of Little Bighorn. Huh. And although it was not purchased in mass by either the Union or Confederate armies in an official capacity, Many individual soldiers in both sides who could afford one would then purchase the Winchester repeating rifles as it essentially turned a single shooter into an army of one capable of making an order of magnitude more shots in the same time period as one of the standard issue muzzle loaders that they would have gotten as part of their service. So one can definitely make the argument that the Winchester fortune was a pretty much soaked in human blood and carnage that is some blood money right there oh absolutely yeah it's gonna definitely have way more of some heavy karma weighing on it than say i don't know the ben and jerry's fortune you know (laughs) i don't know that kills about as many people a year probably with the diabetes oh wilford brimley we hardly knew ye. sarah then marries william in the fall of 1862 and by all accounts they're pretty happy together Sarah wants to start a family, but unfortunately, she has multiple miscarriages in the first years of their union. But uh, four years later, on June 15th, 1866, Annie Party Winchester is born to the delight of her parents. Alas, this child is diagnosed with marasmus, which is a severe malnutrition caused by, in her case, an inability to digest food. And poor wee Annie dies just six weeks later. On July 25th. Dang. Yeah. And, you know, it's this is one of those things that if she were born today, probably they could have gotten her on something, tube fetter, etc., and she'd have been okay. But that was not the times. So Sarah was, understandably, just heartbroken by this. And they had no other children born to the couple after Annie was gone. And then the hits continued to just keep on coming for Sarah in the next decade. Her mother passed, and then her father-in-law died, and then just one year after Oliver Winchester passes, in the, then her, his son in March of 1881, Sarah's husband William, 
dies after a long battle with tuberculosis, leaving poor Sarah essentially all alone in New Haven, Connecticut. Mm. All alone, but certainly not penniless or without prospects, since she's become the 50% share owner of Winchester Rifles, which boosted her personal net worth to $20 million, or in today's money, the equivalent of over a half billion dollars. Wow. Now Jeff Bezos snickers obscenely in the corner. Side note, guys, let me know when we're going to start eating the rich, because I will totally call up Penzi's and lay in a goodly supply of herbs and spices and start just sharpening mistake knives. But I digress. So having nothing but sad memories in the place that she's called home for her entire life, Sarah decides to start fresh, picks up stakes, and heads out to sunny California. So why California? Well, the story goes that Sarah had traveled to Boston after her husband's death to consult with a spirit medium to see if she could make contact with her lost loved ones. Now, that might seem a little weird today, but remember that spiritualism, the belief that one could communicate with the spirits of people who had died through the use of specially gifted and trained mediums, was a huge fad during the latter half of the 19th century. Yeah. People were just dying all the time back in the day before modern medicine and vaccines and sanitation and germ theory, which our listeners will know all about from our Lilydale episode. Yeah. But death was a lot closer back in that time. Oh, yeah. It's only in today's day and age that we do not seem to have as close and personal a relationship with death. And yet, still, look at, like, all the various medium shows that have been popular. People still, Mm -hmm. people grieve, right? Yeah. People want to be able to pick up the phone and, and call somebody that's gone. I get it. You know, I get it. I don't necessarily believe, but I understand it. I lived in a haunted house, so, eh. Well, and again, you add in the American Civil War that killed so many young men and left this just flood of grieving parents, siblings, Mm -hmm. widows, sweethearts. And this is definitely a recipe for spiritualism to be a big going concern, right? Yep. So according to legend, the Boston medium, was was that like a TV drama in the 90s with like, I don't know, an Arquette or Jennifer Love Hewitt? (laughs) Was it Jennifer Love Hewitt? Hewitt? Hewitt Hewitt. Packard? Hewitt, Yes. (laughs) Or at least it was probably a show on Lifetime, right? Boston Medium. Um, So Boston Medium allegedly told Sarah Winchester. I'm sorry. I just see it opening up. It's like a Lifetime show. Boston Medium. You're dead. And that's it. You're dead. (laughs) How did you? I'm I'm getting a message. Uh, Yeah. Your husband died in the bubbler. He was in a bubbler accident, tragic bubbler accident. So probably yes. But yeah, so legend has it that this medium was like, oh my God, Sarah Winchester, the souls of not just your own loved ones, but the thousands of people who died untimely by the Winchester rifles are not at peace. You will be damned and tormented for all of eternity, unless you can appease them. And how could you quiet and appease these restless spirits? What would make them happy? History tells us goat's blood. This guy was like, real estate, that's all you gotta do. So you just gotta go west, build this giant mansion to house them all, condo project of the damned, if you will. And that is basically exactly what she did. This guy only wanted her out of town. He was just like, oh, Christ, get him. I just go build something. Go build something. You need a project. Well, yes, she did. And y'all know my project, my my project in life is to spoil your spooky fun. 
Yes, it is. I'm the fun spoiler. So, uh, yes, the less intriguingly dark explanation for Sarah's voyage to the left coast is actually that, well, her brother-in-law was the dean at Mills College in Oakland, and two of her sisters also lived in the Bay Area. So, essentially, she left behind a painful past and moved somewhere sunny where her remaining family lived. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. No spooky involved. I mean, it's an extremely healthy and reasonable decision, but again, not spooky. So, all right, this explains why she went to California, family. Mm-hmm. But what explains that wacky house? She needed a project? Kinda. I mean, not to go all Occam's razor on y'all, but sometimes the simplest explanation really does make the most sense. So, Sarah was really into architecture. She subscribed to architectural journals and digests. She enjoyed doing her own drafting and drawings of plans. And she and her late husband had had a really great time designing their own fancy home back in New Haven. So, essentially, you're right. She needed a project. This was her hobby. And now that she was a woman of near-infinite means, who had no family or day job that needed doing, and also having squads of workers on hand to help with construction, meant that she really wasn't that lonely after all. She just went for it. So, yeah. Why did she build stairs to nowhere and windows? That, why did, Why was her house so confusing? Well, hang in there. I will explain. Okay. I'm jumping the gun again. You are. It's, it's very exciting. I, I, I have some explanations for those as well. Okay. Sorry. That No, that's fine. Well, I mean, again, she was finally free to really just indulge her passion for architecture. And there was nobody around to be like, you know, maybe dial it back a bit. You're doing Howl's sedentary castle here. What's happening? <laughs> so she was able to just just go for it. So, again, what about the rumors, though, that she had a special seance room within the house that nobody but she was permitted to enter? Well, again, it's a little hard to know where that came from because, you see, she was a very private person who preferred to keep her own company in council. And as a lone woman with so much money and so much independence, who really didn't give a good goddamn about what other people thought of her, she became the subject for a number of yellow journalists, your favorite, who enjoyed making up crazy bullshit stories about the place that they dubbed the Spook House and about its weird, reclusive spinster inhabitant. Because that shit Oh my god. I fucking hate yellow journalism, man. Who knew that that... That would be our downfall. My platform that I live and die on. That is my hill. (laughs) It's a big ass hill for her. And it it really is thanks to a lot of these totally unsubstantiated pieces of air quotes journalism that a lot of these rumors about seances and spirits got started. And, you know, again, spooky uh, then as now is good business. It sells papers. Scary ghost stories sell. Just ask Stephen King. Right? They sell papers. They sell tickets to popular attractions. And uh, I'm not going to lie. They sell podcasts. That's why we talk about stuff like this, right? They're interesting. we talk about it because we enjoy it. Right. But yeah. So, okay then. Maybe there's not really a seance room. But, as you asked, how the hell do you account for the weird stairs of weird size that sometimes go nowhere? Or the windows and doors that open into walls? Isn't that something, like, to confuse the spirits, maybe? Well, possibly. But it's also really possible that some of these things are because, well, 
There are from some even scarier sources that are much more likely to harm you than real ghosts are. Earthquakes and illness. Oh. Earthquakes, really? Earthquakes and illness. That explains a lot of these things. So Sarah, who was a tiny woman to begin with, uh, even slightly shorter than I am by about an inch, was just four foot ten inches tall, she had developed rheumatoid arthritis in her older age, which totally sucks. And so it was exceedingly difficult and painful for her to raise her feet and legs more than a few inches at a time when she was walking. So many of the staircases that she would have for her personal use were more like long, low-rise ramps as much as they are kind of the more vertical stairs that we're used to. And they allowed her to very gently go up and down the various floors of the house without pain. That makes sense. Yeah. And additionally, some of the rooms she would personally use a lot have kind of an odd proportion to them. But that becomes quite explicable when you figure that they're sized down and low to accommodate both her short stature when she's standing up and the fact that she might be seated or even in a wheelchair much of the time due to her worsening arthritis. Huh. You know, it makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. She was also big into better living through technology, both for herself and her staff. And the house was just really state-of-the-art for the times. It was like a smart house, mm-hmm. like an analog smart house. And it had this elaborate bell pull system that would summon servants who were downstairs. They would, if you were somewhere else in the house and you needed to, you know, get someone to come up for to wherever you were, mm-hmm. whatever quadrant of the house you were in, you would pull a bell. Mm-hmm. And then downstairs it would ring and a number would flip down, indicating which quadrant of the house the bell pull had been rung in. And someone could come up and take care of what was ever going on. That is some extremely fancy, like, high, high, state-of-the-art shit right there. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is like Alexa of the day, right? Yeah, it is. She had these communication tubes, like an early version of intercoms, Mm -hmm. that were located throughout the house. And you could talk into them. And these tubes would carry the sound down into the basement where there was, like, this funky, like, tube switchboard kind of thing where you could talk to people down there and say, oh, bring up, you know, bring up Sarah's dinner, and you could totally have it happen. So for those of you who have seen A Haunting of Hill House or The Haunting of Hill House, one of those. Yep. Absolutely. And so she was really into gardening, right? She loved the outdoors and gardening, but again, physically couldn't always do it. And she had a couple of conservatory rooms in the house that had these really ingenious watering systems and these trap doors that kind of led to these potting areas so that you could sit the plants down in there and do all the dirt stuff without getting the actual wood floors dirty. Wow. And they allowed her to to stay inside, but still feel like she was in nature. I would like one of those, frankly, this winter while we're all going to be trapped indoors. Since I'm not a multimillionaire Harris, uh, Barry does not have a Winchester fortune. I'll probably get a dog and maybe a hunting cabin. I'm just going to get some grow lights and like a philodendron. It'll be great. <laughs> be terrific. But uh, so as to why a lot of the rooms and doors kind of go nowhere, well, that along with the fact that the house kind of sprawls outwards in so many directions versus upwards, that can actually be explained by the huge 1906 earthquake that did all this enormous damage to the property and scared the shit out of Sarah, who was in the house at the time. Oh, wow. And yeah, when the quake actually happened, the house was seven stories tall, 
But there was so much destruction that occurred thanks to the wiggling and jiggling of the fault line that afterwards, rather than continue to build upwards, they built outwards for safety. And she also stopped living in the house for quite some time during that period while they were kind of reconstructing it and getting it safe. And she retired to another nearby property and then also lived sometimes on a houseboat on San Francisco Bay. And there are also stories that refer to the houseboat as Sarah's Ark and basically say that she's living there because she has this fear that there'll be the second great biblical flood coming. But the reality is just that a lot of wealthy folks maintained houseboats at that time because it was fashionable. I mean, I don't blame them. However, it would be super weird perspective-wise to live in a house like the Winchester Mystery House and then go spend a, a week on a houseboat. On a houseboat? I mean, how big was her boat? It's a big one. Big ass. They call it Sarah's Ark. It was mm. big. I wish I had an ark. She's probably just a fan of Sleepless in Seattle, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, it was, that was what she did. Another possible reason why Sarah just kept building and building, which the Yellow Journalists began to spin as a belief that she would die if construction ever stopped. Oh my God. This was her way of achieving immortality, was that the country was actually in a recession around the turn of the century. And Sarah felt like this was her best way to be a one-woman WPA and to keep the craftsmen and housekeepers that she hired employed and solvent oh, wow. because they didn't really have other jobs. And a lot of the weird kind of contemptuous stories that were spun about her in the papers at that time were likely born out of a feeling of class resentment. Here was this wealthy woman wasting all that money that she didn't even earn on bullshit architectural folly that didn't benefit anybody but her. Sort of like the Experience Music Project in Seattle or Jeff Bezos's shiny glass balls at Amazon or, you know, anything Elon Musk fucking does these days, right? <laughs> Seriously. So, again, you know, what's, what's real, what sells papers, what's just public opinion? It's kind of hard to tease that all out. But regardless of the myriad enigmatic reasons why the house is so freaking weird, whether it's ghosts or grief or just the outcome of a particular obsession for architecture being allowed to be stretched to its limits because of infinite funds and time, it's most definitely one peculiar structure. So here's some basic deets of the place for the curious. So while no, the stories that construction carried on day and night, never stopping ceaselessly for decades upon decades, aren't quite as true, as all that, because Sarah would periodically stop construction, like when the weather was inclement, or if she just needed a rest from all the bang, 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 or she was taking a trip somewhere, the structure was still pretty much in constant flux from about 1885 when she bought it till 1922 when she passed. And it is estimated to be about 24,000 square feet. Wow. So just take a minute with that. I mean, a big, nice house is about 24,000 square feet, or 2,400 square feet. This is 24,000 square feet. So it's big. It is a bigger. It's several McMansions taped together, right? <laughs> and it is in the Queen Anne style on the exterior, while the interior is what is called aesthetic movement, which basically means if you can decorate it, fucking decorate it. <laughs> you know, just... Put another finial on top of that finial, throw an anti-maxer on it, you got it. 
And the fact that it has survived several large earthquakes without completely tumbling down is due to it being built on a floating foundation, which is a really smart, solid, and at that time, pretty innovative way to build a safe structure, especially a big, tall one. So what exactly is a floating foundation for those who do not know? It's not tied onto like a big slab, right? It instead has poles and pilings that go into the ground so that when the ground liquefies, which is what will happen here in Seattle, woohoo, when the big one hits us, it kind of, it, it surfs on that. It doesn't just kind of break apart or go down into the ground. It can kind of move with that shifting sand, if that makes sense. It does. And there's a number of like, you can Google it online. There are various kind of cool videos that show simulations of how different kinds of earthquake proofing type structures work. And if you kind of Google like floating foundation video, there's a number of ones you can watch where they'll show like little computer models of how that all works. And it's, it's kind of soothing and also terrifying if you live, you know, like here in Seattle where <laughs> they keep telling us, you're going to die. So it's good. It's good times. And then the actual house itself is constructed almost entirely of redwood, like a whole fucking forest of it. Thanks, Sarah. Don't worry. They grow overnight. Oh, yeah. Poof. Yeah. Like bamboo. Mm -hmm. Sure, sure, sure. And though Sarah was a fan of redwood's durability as a construction material, she did not much care for the look of it when it was finished. So nearly the entire house, especially the rooms that would be used by the family or for any guests, were all done up with all these faux-painted grain and stain finishes to simulate other kinds of woods. And it basically took, they estimate, about 20,000 gallons of paint to disguise this whole entire thing. Why not just use a different type of wood? Well, and again, think about all of these artisans, though, that would have been... Yeah. You know, supplied with jobs doing all of these fancy. I mean, it's gorgeous. It is. If you can go online and look at the pictures of the interior and it is just, it's very, it's beautiful inside. Highly decorated, like lovely. And there are roughly 161 rooms. Some of them are unfinished. And that includes about 40 bedrooms, two ballrooms, only one of which was finished in Sarah's lifetime. 47 fireplaces, 17 chimneys, two basement levels, and three elevators. So they kept working on it after she died. I thought they didn't. They did not. Oh, okay. No, it was, they, that one was never finished. Okay. So it's, I don't know if that one's on display, but it was under construction when she was alive, but all buildings ceased after she died. Okay. Now it has 13 bathrooms. But by the end of her life, Sarah had had all but one of them disconnected, and most of them were honestly used by the workmen while they were working on the place. Huh. And that bathroom that was the one that she used had a window in it, woohoo, so that her nurse and caretakers could make sure that she was okay while she was using it. It was because she likes flashing the biddies around. It, and there were no, there were no uh, stats on how many glory holes, so I don't know about that part. But the house has only one modern-style shower which was installed in deference to Sarah's arthritis as it was very difficult and painful for her to be getting in and out of those big deep bathtubs, which was how most people got themselves clean at that time in history. And the shower is really impressive. Like it's very cool. Instead of just having like a little, you know, pan that dripped water from above on you, 
it was a surround sound kind of situation. And it had these multiple pipes that would go around the little alcove and surround the bather and kind of spray them down from all angles. And I admit, I'm a little jealous myself, though honestly, for me, I am mostly just grateful that now I can shower and not have to deflect tiles falling off the walls at me <laughs> like a soapy naked ninja. So I'm just grateful for tiles that stay where tiles should be. It's good. Oh, God, I can just see you in the shower like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> just, yeah! Seriously, like, tiles would just fall. It is bad. It was a necessary remodel, for sure, uh, in our house. But not nearly as cool, of course, because, again... I'm heir to the Barry fortune, not the Winchester fortune. So I'll get some like dogs and tomato plants, which I'm grateful for. And Crown yeah. Royal. You will have plenty of Crown Royal. That I am kind of kind of excited about. But live forever, Barry. Seriously. Stay indoors. Live forever, Barry. That's right. Um, yes. But there are also over 10,000 panes of glass in the house. Can you imagine Windex and those motherfuckers? Nope. And... Dozens of stained glass windows, many of which were created to Sarah's design and specifications by the Pacific American Decorative Company, including the famous spiderweb window that was her favorite design. And there are a number of windows that incorporate the number 13 in some way, which was also kind of her like lucky number motif that she was really into throughout her life. So, yeah, Sarah, you're not really dissuading us from the spooky bitch angle. You know, this whole spider web number 13. Yeah, but that's some shit that would be in my house, you know? Oh, yeah. She's a goth sister. We love her. Yeah. I enjoy her aesthetic. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So the spider web window, however, was never actually installed anywhere, but rather it was discovered in a room that they called the $25,000 storage room because the contents initially found in there were supposed to be valued at that time, like almost 100 years ago. At $25,000, which is like a quadrillion billion today. Exactly that much. Yeah. And there's another large stained glass window that was actually designed by Lewis Comfort Tiffany himself, the granddaddy of all stained glass at the turn of the century. Period, I think. Period. (laughs) Yeah, he's kind of the guy. He's the dude. But it was set with these prismatic crystals that when you hit it with sunlight, it shines a rainbow across the room. But because this is the Winchester fucking mystery house, not the sensible place where we hang shit house, it was hung in an interior room so that no sunlight would ever strike it and cause that beautiful rainbow effect. Yeah, when I was younger and studying the Winchester mystery house and I discovered that, I was just like, this is a loss. Son of a bitch. Put in the skylight. Jesus Christ. Would it kill you? Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. Mm Mm-hmm. But so building just kind of kept on going for decades until the morning of September 5th, 1922, when the saws and hammers fell silent as Sarah Party Winchester was found dead of heart failure in her bed at the ripe old age of 83. Did you just say her middle name was Party? Sarah Party? Her her maiden name is Party. P-A-R-D-E-E. Oh my God. Party! Yes, that is what I needed it to be. Thank you. Thank you for that. Party. Yeah. Well, her will, which was written in 13 sections and signed 13 times. Mm. You a spooky bitch, Sarah. Possibly. I mean, again, just to fuck with us here in the future. I don't know. But she left her money and the contents of the house to her niece and her personal secretary. 
but no mention of the house itself was made. So due to both the earthquake damage and the fact that it was fucking bazonkers, <laughs> the worth of the house was estimated to be pretty low, and it was auctioned off to the highest bidder. That bidder then eventually sold the house off to a fellow named John H. Brown, who was an amusement park roller coaster designer, because of course he was. Mm-hmm. And after one of his designs, the Backity Back Coaster in Canada, killed a rider. Oh my god. Yeah, this is a this is a house that kills. Uh, not really, but it's people that had a lot of deaths seem to be into it. But he and his wife kind of scurried out of there and came to California. And they took over the house and immediately turned it into a tourist attraction. Because, you know, that's, of course, what you would do if you were an amusement park kind of guy, right? Right. And they would sell tickets to the curious to come and have a look. In what I am certain is a total coincidence... It was at this time that newspapers began to write up all these stories about the supernatural properties of the property. Total coinkydink, yeah? For sure. Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. Nobody had anything to do with that in marketing. No. No. Gosh, no. No, no, no money exchanged hands for that. No. So today the house is owned by Winchester Investments, LLC. And is, or rather was before COVID, a super popular tourist destination to this very day. In fact, stuck at home now, as we all are, you can take virtual tours of it online through the house's Facebook page. And it's, they're really kind of fun. I totally recommend it. And if I lived in the area, I would totally lie, cheat, intimidate, possibly murder my way into becoming a tour guide there. Because, oh my God, fucking dream job. Am I Right. Right. Oh, and there's a, there's a house historian. Again, dream job. Dream job. Why didn't I get that master's degree? No, no, it's fine. But since this is the Winchester mystery house, let me leave you with one final interesting and kind of sad little mystery tidbit about the place. In one of the ballrooms, there are two beautiful stained glass windows that flank a large ornate door. And one of those windows has an enigmatic Shakespeare quote from Troilus and Cressida that reads, wide unclasp the tables of their thoughts. And behind this big fancy door, they found a door to a large safe. And once they opened that safe, another even more expensive fancy safe was discovered. And once that fancier and more difficult to break into safe was opened, can you guess what they found? Another one? (gasps) Another safe! Oh my god. It's the matryoshka of safes, apparently. But inside that small safe was where Sarah kept her most personally valuable treasures of all. Just four small objects. Was it pictures of her family? Kind of. It was two newspaper clippings. One was the obituary of her baby daughter, and one was the obituary of her husband, William. And two locks of hair, one from the baby, and one from her husband. Money may be able to buy you a big-ass weird house, but in the end, it can't buy you love or happiness. Aww. And that is my story of the strange and fascinating Winchester Mystery House. But, lest you think I'm going to go all sweet and soft on you guys by ending with that, let's talk about toilets some more. Yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, that's what we're here for, really. Yes, it is. I discovered something absolutely horrifying and weirdly, scatologically kind of hilarious, but also mostly just god-awful disgusting and horrible and historical. Are you ready? For the Erfurt latrine disaster? Yes, I am. I'm sure as shit was not, haha, when I read about it. 
Okay, so this is just really short, but really, really, really awful. So apparently, I'm going to take a swig here with this Winchester. Mm. Apparently, in the year of our Lord, 1184, in Erfurt, Erfurt, the Duchy of Thuringia, or Central Germany for us modern types, a bunch of fancy nobles from across the Holy Roman Empire were getting together to have a big meeting to settle this feud between Louis III, the Landgrave of Thuringia, and Archbishop Conrad of Mainz. King Heinrich VI basically got all these fancy lords together at the Church of St. Peter, and they were in this big wooden-floored conference room, all blah, 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 Holy Roman Empire, blah, 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 rich, 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 royal, 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 schmoozing together, when the fucking floor collapsed, sending pretty much everyone except King Heinrich into the basement latrine where about 60 people died drowning in liquid shit. <laughs> wow. Holy fucking shit, indeed. And King Heinrich only survived because he was sitting in a stone alcove when everything went kerplop. Oh, so funny. Worst medieval disaster ever. Oh, so funny, though. So funny, though. Oh, my God. The Erfurt latrine disaster. I raise my glass and I raise my gorge Ooh, to you. <laughs> Just seriously, that is not how I want to go no, out. No, I don't think that's how anyone wants to go out. I don't think that is the way. I, If I'm aiming for a way to go out, death by misadventure, yes. But like that, no. Drowning in in liquid poo. I don't, I do not want. No, I don't even want to be near liquid poo. Like, at all. No. <laughs> yeah. Drowning in liquid excrement. Wow. The Erfurt latrine disaster. History, you are wild and horrible, and I am here for you. Absolutely. that That is what we are here for. We have these kinds of interests, after all. Oh. Just, this should be disgusting interest. But that's my story. Yeah, that is my Winchester Mystery House and Erfurt Latrine Disaster a go-go. That's, that's great. Thank you for sharing that one. I enjoyed it mightily. And guess what I'm going to do this evening now that we're done recording? Uh, drink? Well, yeah, but paint! Paint some more walls! Woohoo! <laughs> that's all we do. We just keep painting the walls. And it's not like we have a giant house, guys. It's just painting takes... A real long time. Yeah, it does. I I still have flashbacks from helping my dad paint because it's one of the things he did for a living for some time. I have these flashbacks of helping him though, and him saying, "Cut in, cut in." Just oh cut my in. god, cut in. That's my job. So we break it up because I'm little and lithe. So I kind of dart down and I do like the baseboards, tape in, and I'm the cutter inner. Mm -hmm. But then I can only cut into about like maybe six feet. You know, because, mm -hmm. you know, with my hand extended the whole way up and then Will has to tackle everything above that. And it's just, oh, God. And taping, taping, taping. Oh, oh my God. Taping yeah. for all eternity. Yeah, I used to mask on my family's construction crew when I in the summer <laughs> when I was a teenager because I was tired of working in the office and they were going to show me by having me go out and join the construction crew if I wasn't going to work in the office. I said, fine, I will. And I did. And that's how I know how to build a house. Oh, God. Well, I, I mean, I dealt with, well, liquid poo. I worked <laughs> in my parents' veterinary clinic. So uh, it comes out of a mammal. I can clean it up. 
I, I have that skill, which has served me very well, actually, uh, having all these cats and rats in time. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can build a house. I can keep it clean. Hey, that is a hell of a team right there. A dynamic duo. So I've got a funny story for you about my surviving parent, my biological father living down in Honduras. Does it involve latrines? No, it involves technology. Okay. Oh, is this going to be, oh, boomers. No, he's he's trying. He's really trying. Good. He is, and I'm proud of him. So when he was here last, when he almost died and had to have all those surgeries and such, I let him borrow a backup phone that I have. And it was a smartphone. And it was the first smartphone he had ever used. And so I was trying to teach him how to use it and stuff. And he was getting confused, but I would sit there and teach him how to use again. And and finally, he started getting it. Well, recently, he got his own smartphone down Uh in Honduras. And he downloaded WhatsApp. And so my father has been texting me from Honduras. Like, just sporadically. And it's been super sweet. Because, like, he sent me a picture of these boots, these custom boots that he had made and stuff. But... So he he got his first smartphone, and I say his first because he immediately broke it. Oops. Then he got his second smartphone and dropped it and cracked the screen. Were you like, Dad, just get one of those, like, gorilla case situations? Yes, I told him, I'm like, you need a case for it. He goes, well, the thing is, it it slipped out of my pockets because I need one for my belt. I'm like, okay, get an OtterBox or something. (laughs) And he had one custom made by the same guy who made these boots. And beautiful craftsmanship, I have to say. Absolutely gorgeous. Hey, fashion forward technology. I love it. But he cracked the screen. And he tells me, he's like, I've got a real fine crack in the screen. I'm like, okay, that happens. (laughs) I I know many people who that has happened to. You need a, a screen protector. And he goes, should I put some super glue on it? And I said, no. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's, that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Do not do that. And he goes, my friend explained to me what a screen protector is. He's like, how thick are they? And I explained they're very thin. And he goes, okay, I'll go get one. Thanks. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, my my dad is learning to use technology down in Honduras. He's way more high tech than Barry because Barry does not do the smartphone. Mona will, but Barry is not a no. It's the pandemic. He's anti-social media guy too, so no. I'm telling you, it's the pandemic. He's talking to people through WhatsApp and staying in touch with people that way. And it's just interesting how I think this is going to really change who uses technology and how they use mm-hmm. it, you know? Yep. Absolutely, I agree. I just think we need to make Barry a TikTok star, but I don't think he's oh going to go God. for it. Oh my God. I would I would watch that TikTok every day. I'm still trying to figure that out. I mean, like, I realize how, like, you know, Og use fire, make tool. Like, how dumb I am. Like, I don't know how to use, God damn it, any of that, you know? Oh my God. Talk to Mr. Mao. He loves TikTok. Well, I've been also thinking about, like, starting a YouTube channel because that, you know, I'm old. Once I have my press down in the basement to do, like, welcome to how you use a press. Uh, and so we'll see if that happens. I don't know. I was thinking about calling it shitty Rembrandt, but I figure that'll probably not <laughs> raise me up too high in the algorithm, so I'll come up with a nicer version. Poopy Rembrandt. There you go. That's me, shitty Rembrandt. How's it going? The Rembrandt's latrine. <laughs> yeah. 
I've made, you know, maybe not quite Rembrandt. How about that? <laughs> but I, in my mind, I am shitty Rembrandt. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, speaking of things that are shitty, but not shitty. Can I recommend if you don't already follow them on like the Facebook, et cetera, Please do. shitty watercolor or S watercolor, I think is what they usually oh go by God, now. On, they like, are so good. Oh, oh my heart, my little heart. Like, I'm usually like, ah, oh, fuck that sentimental bullshit. Oh my god, tears all the time. They're this this beautiful, I don't know, like perfect zen little four panel comic that is this boy and this cat and just how just, the, the little boy is depressed and I can't do stuff. And the cat is like his wonderful, gentle friend. It's like, it's incredibly non-snarky Calvin and Hobbes and it, I am... It fixes things that are broken in me. It does. It's amazing. And just like, you will want to be maybe cutting onions while you look through them. So you're not like, I'm crying. Like, no, it's the onions, man. It's what it is. Cause it's, oh, it's, it really is. It's beautiful. Yeah. That and the latest Kate, if you need yourself some like beautiful animal illustration with words of gentle wisdom. So you feel less like, I don't know, jumping into a latrine and drowning in excrement. Cause it's all crazy out there. I highly recommend those two things. Shitty Watercolor and The Latest Kate. The Latest Kate. I haven't heard of that one. Yes. I'll, I'll have to it's, look it up. It's darling. It's lovely and beautiful and it's very sweet. I've got a good recommendation of something to watch for you guys if you're looking for something. So my anime friends out there, all of you who love anime like I do. Anime! There is an anime called Plunderer. So worth it. Plunder, so okay. worth it. Definitely right. watch it. It is it's got good anime tropes that we all like watching, but I have to say, I was probably five episodes, six episodes in, and it threw me. It surprised me. Nice. All of a sudden I was going down a road that I thought I knew, and all of a sudden, left turn, left fucking turn, and I was like, oh, oh, oh. On that kind of left turn from Japan, may I suggest a movie called One Cut of the Dead? Ooh. If I haven't already recommended that. I don't want to tell you guys too much about it. Just stick with it is what I'm trying to tell you. You'll start in one place, quickly pivot to another, go, oh yeah, I saw that coming. But then things will happen that you did not see coming. But then you'll be like, son of a bitch, it's all led up to this in a delightful, weird way. It's... I highly recommend it. Yes. Oh, zombies, whatever. No, no, just, just try it. Just give it a All go. Right. It goes to places that you're like, what the? And it's great. And it's super Japanese. And I just, mwah. I'll check it out. I would also like to recommend, if I haven't yet, Mystic Papa. Mystic Papa. Super cute. Yeah, it's Korean. It's very cute. It's about this woman. She ends up getting damned and she has to help so many people during the span of time so she will not be damned and go to hell but it's funny it's cute it's like 30 minutes i think each definitely worth it mystic pop-up all right excellent all right and on that note i guess we should go ahead and sign off indeed say hey thanks for being here for listening please tell people about us you can tag us on social media i can't get into our twitter account right now oh dear yeah, I, I got to figure that shit out. I hate Twitter. But everyone hates Twitter. Yeah, everyone does. But we're on Facebook, Instagram. You can email us. You can like us. Tell your friends. You can send us something if you want to. By the way, no one worry. 
I managed to look up Rocky's type of hedgehog by the tag. Oh, thank and God. And mail order some of that shit. So he's Ew. good. Yeah. He has a surplus of hedgehogs in hiding now. So we're okay. He's okay. He was down to one. But uh, yeah, thank you for being here. And remember, take care of each other. And you might be disturbed. But you're not building an insane mansion full of collapsing latrines. And you're not alone. Thank you for listening, friends. Remember, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook at The Disturbing Interest Podcast, Twitter at podcast underscore DI, Instagram at DI Podcast. You can find us online at disturbinginterest.com, or you can email us at disturbinginterest at gmail.com. Our P.O. Box is 70515, Seattle, Washington, 98127. Remember to rate, like, and tell your friends, and we'll talk at you soon.